Hello and welcome as always yet again to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And once again we are covering Cowboy Bebop. We are in week four of our six-week coverage of the Cowboy Bebop series. Uh, We're covering episodes 16 to 20 this week. Malcolm, you are almost done the series of Cowboy Bebop. How does it feel? It's good. I mean, I I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm almost done. Uh, I've heard so much about this show, so to be like near the end of it is kind of wild. And we're kicking it old school, like uh, the Jamie Kennedy movie, Uh, but but we're guestless. So just the two of us today. Just the two of us. Um, but you know, it's a different energy, just like every every Cowboy Bebop is a different energy. Sometimes you have to do a duo, sometimes a, a dance, I don't know, a, a serenade. Uh, a tango. Let's get, a tango. Let's get right into it. So we're covering uh, episodes 16 to 20, as always. We're doing them in batches of five uh, with Black Dog Serenade. Um, yay, Jet episode. I like Jet- this. You like this one, okay? Yeah, I like this. I, mean, more I than... didn't love it. I want to say this. I did. I. I. This was not my like least favorite episode of the batch. It was not my least favorite. Uh, we'll get to my least favorite, but I'll say this: even my least favorite episode in the, these batch uh, did have like a twist where I was like, "Oh, okay, this this perks me up towards the end." We'll get to it. Um, I think it's probably the same episode that you felt. Probably, uh, but I'm curious. It might not be. Might not be. Um, but yeah, Black Dog Serenade. Doing doing this whole rewatch of Cowboy Bebop again because you know we're we're breaking this show down in ways that you just don't do so when you're binging even during among regular rewatches. Um, so what I've noticed is that I like Jet the character. Jet episodes are not what I would call my favorites. Yeah, it's this really weird thing that is happening where it's just like the Jet's got a really interesting background. I kind of like his dynamic with Spike a lot, or like even his dynamic with Faye and Edward and Ayn. But it's just like, yeah, when he's off on his own and he's got these like moody noir stories, I'm just like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it fits the way that I want it to. Yeah. No, it's kind of dry. Um, but this one's definitely the most fun one of the batch we've done so far. I forget if we have another Jet episode in, in the final week, but um Let's get into it. So we're on this like kind of prisoner ship. Um, these these convicts have kind of broken out and executed a bunch of uh, their guards. And a man uh, in glasses, he's kind of a skinny black dude. He wastes a bottle of Dom Perignon, uh, which is just, you know, not cool. That's so, That shit's expensive. That shit's expensive. Uh, but you can tell he's a cold dude because, you know, the other prisoners are like, you know, hey, cut loose, man. And uh, he's just like, no, man, uh, I'm on a mission uh meanwhile the bebop shower is broken we get some more um se- semi-gratuitous face shots as always this time yeah i don't know they just they try like i like that they always it's always they kind of like cowered out on it they're just like we're gonna do it and then it's like ah no nah, it's not in the character like it's not in the character like it's just like i don't yeah i don't see Faye as that and it feels weird when they like kind of try to force it in yeah i mean i've seen shows that uh do the fan service uh far more gratuitously but even this one, it almost feels like it's kind of mandated. Yeah. I mean, this is the 90s, right? I mean, bro, bro, wait till you get to the 2000s, man. I mean, it's all bad. Yeah, it doesn't get better. <laughs> it doesn't get better. It got a little better in the 90s. I feel like the 80s must have been way worse. It's consistently terrible. It's, but at least the show doesn't have any young characters who are sexualized, which I can't say that about a lot of other shows. Not ones which we've covered, because I've avoided them. 
Um, anyways, well, there's been some. I mean, you know, oh, the, I think the probably. thing with this whole podcast is like the whole experience for me has just been like how much like how many like teen protagonists act like they're 32 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not this show though, because they're all kind of in their in their mid to whatever the heck Jet Jet is. I mean, I assume Jet's like in his forties, and then like, and then the rest are like, and then like Spike and Faye seem like they're early twenties, and then obviously Edward's a child, so Edward's like twelve, and Ed actually acts like she acts like a child, which is great. I appreciate that. I want more of that. <laughs> I don't want children to act like adults. <laughs> No, uh, we we don't need those characters. Um, Ayn, I don't know how old Ayn is in dog years. I guess he's. I guess Ayn is just a regular. I think dogs they mature at about two or three. So you know, he's probably between like two and ten. I'd say. Yeah, Ayn. You know, Ayn's just a good dog. He's a good boy. Um, <laughs> uh, I like Ayn a lot. I think he, in some ways, is my favorite character. He's had some. He had some good moments in like this batch of episodes. I gotta say, I like Ayn had like. Very funny moments. He's he's a good doggo. Um, so anyways, this whole thing about uh, the Bebop shower being broken, Faye obviously isn't too happy about that. And meanwhile, Jet's arm is kind of acting up, and Faye is being like, oh, you should, you know, go check out that thing. Um, but to Jet, his arm connects him to his past. That's the whole thing. He could probably afford a an upgraded arm, but he doesn't want to because it connects him to his past. And this episode is all about Jet's arm. It, it answers the fabled question. <laughs> Which I always forget about. I'm going to be completely honest. Completely forgot that he has like a thing with his arm until this episode. <laughs> I guess it's because it's also flesh colored. To be fair, so yeah. Well, that's exactly it, right? Where it's like it's not the super obvious. It's it, but it's not like out of left field because it's like been mentioned before. But it was just enough where I was like, oh, because like we also we don't record these episodes like you know we're not been we haven't been recording this back to back to back to back to back. We have been, you know, been taking some breaks uh, to record other episodes, our in-between ones. So it does, like, there are details that I forget about. And that's one of them. I, I could never forget a good robot arm. I, I love a good, uh, you know, we, we got to get to that era in uh, in the world where, you know, we have, like, really good prosthetic arms. Anyways. Uh, We're me- getting there. We're getting there. I, I mean, you know, I like the idea of a robot arm, but I also don't want to have to lose my own arm. So there's that. There's, that's the thing. You can't get you want a, robot. a girl, You want a girl with a robot arm. If I, that's your fetish. That's what you want. <laughs> oh, no, man. that's That seems a little uh, cold. Um, anyways, meanwhile, cold. the uh, cold, you know, I, they're metal. Don't you, I would that, assume don't you they're mean cold. hot? No, um, I would assume a, a metal arm is like cold. But if, it's not, but if it's got like realistic kind of flesh tone. <laughs> We've got five episodes to cover. Let's move on. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, on like the prison ship, there's some roughneck asshole. He kills a member of the ship's crew. And then the glasses man who is identified as Odai, uh, he kills the roughneck. And we get this flashback of Jet uh, confronting Odai. And Jet was basically set up back in the day uh, and lost his arm in an attack where he was trying to confront Odai. And then he gets ambushed. So, you know, kind of standard noir thing. Odai fucking the police ships up is pretty great. When like Odai is like taking over the ship and just like going going uh, wild on them, I thought that was a fun action sequence. It was a that was fine. I th- I'm gonna be honest. I like some of the other action sequences more in like later episodes. Like I gotta be like even though I watched this you know episode today, like the day of the recording. Like I'm having you know some trouble almost remembering what was going on. <laughs> That's because it's a jet episode. <laughs> 
That's because like, it was really that, only the ending that I like kind of started like perking up on. Oh, really? Because the ending for me, I was like, oh, okay, it ends, it ends the way you expect. Um, oh, it totally ends the way you expect. What I liked was the noir, like just like throwing it back old school, like 30s, 40s, like Humphrey Bogart esque, like, and with them in the trench coats and the hats, and there's the spotlights, and like, you're like, what what world was Jet living in before he joined, uh, you know, Spike on the uh, Cowboy Bebop? I mean, this show takes place in like the late 2070s, so you can't even just be like, oh, Jet was acting like the 20s in the year 2020. You know what I mean? Where it was like that anachronistic. So yeah, we're uh, living in the 2020s right now, and yeah. I mean, it's not it's not cool. All right, people cool. are fucking wearing. You know, layers upon layers of like glittery clothing. I don't know, better not. But. I don't know. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed the Jet versus the convicts fight. That was a fun one. It's always nice to see Jet be like again. He has a robot arm. He's a strong dude. Yeah, of course. It's just like yeah, like he's gonna win and he's gonna ha- he has that advantage. It's like it's one of those things where you almost like want to lose an arm. Like I know you really want to lose an arm to like have the you know, the robot arm, but it, it it is an advantage, right? It's like you get shot in the arm. Oh, I guess I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> you know, I've already, I've already dealt with the pain of an amputation. I guess if we're already on this topic, I think the optimal thing is to get an exoskeleton because it doesn't require you to lose any body parts. You can just put on the exoskeleton and gain the power of that. So exoskeleton, I think, is the way to go. Jed and Odai fight. Um, Jed, of course, wins, and Odai reveals Jet's partner was behind the ambush on him. Um you know, real real surprise there. Again, a bigger twist if the partner both lived and wasn't on the payroll. Yeah, that would have been better. Like, it kind of felt like you kind of knew that it was where it was going. Because you're like, once the partner showed up, you're like, all right, this guy is not good news. I, I was hoping, I overheard, I think someone in the, sh- in the episode mentions Fatty, um, Jet's buddy Fatty but he isn't seen. And I was really hoping we would get a return to fatty and it would have been cool if like, just, I mean, I know this show is mostly serialized aside from the, um, the spike stuff and, you know, phase past or not mostly serialized, the opposite, uh, mostly episodic aside from that stuff. Yeah. Jet, Jet doesn't have any, um, recurring characters, uh, in his, in his episodes, which is a bummer. So yeah, his partner is just a guy, you know, he's, he's a cop. He's, you know, looks kind of like Columbo. Um, well, his name is Fad. Oh, he was Fad. I thought he was Fatty. Oh, I got them confused. Damn, no, that's but, even... I, but Fat. But he's only listed as being in this one episode. Yeah, no, because there was the other guy, Fatty, the fat dude with like the blonde mustache. Yeah, I, you know, I know that. It's just I just wanted to point out how they could have come up with a better name because they already had Fatty. It's like, and Chad, he has two friends, Fad and Fatty, and you're like, all right. That couldn't get more confusing. <laughs> it confused me. Um, Uday Taksim is Uday's full name, though. That's neat. Um, I like Uday's. <laughs> I like Uday's design. Again, he's um, yeah, he's a neat character. I, I dig the glasses look. Um, but he goes down to boring old Fad, and then Fad and Jed have a standoff. Jed, of course, wins because plot armor. Um, yeah, I, like I gotta say, Uday kind of looks like a character that. Lakeith Stanfield will play in about uh, 12 years. Exactly, yeah. He's definitely a, a Lakeith Stanfield type. Um, and, you know, Lakeith would hopefully get more screen time than Udai. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lakeith <laughs> deserves it. Lakeith's, uh, 
Udai it goes is. down. I think we can both praise Lakeith Stanfield as a, just uh, one yeah. of the uh, our generation's best actors. I I wish he would have played Spike in the live action one. No disrespect to John Cho, but I, I just watched the the Bebop footage and I get what Cho is doing, but I think Lakeith would have been the best. But I think he's probably too too expensive. Well, Lakeith would have been uh, the right age range, where it's like pretty clear that like. You know, John Cho is trying to de-age himself, but it's but much in a uh, very much in a Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen way. Uh, he's like, no, I will play a twenty-five year old. It's like John Cho, you're fifty, like three years old. Like I, you look I, great for fifty-three. All right, you're in that category with like Paul Rudd and Elizabeth Hurley and like all these people who just like don't age. Oh, uh, like Angela Bassett, uh, Bassett. I'm like, you you're in that category, but it's like play a character that's like in his thirties. Like you don't have to play, you know, such a young character, but I'm going to also going to give him the chance to like surprise me. Yeah. I know we were, we just watched the, uh, the, the lost session footage. So that's on our mind. Uh, but you dear listener, the show will be out by that time. So, um, yeah. So anyways, uh, jet takes down, um, fad. Um, I did like how at the end of it, jet frames the scene. So it looks like, um, fad and, Odai killed each other, so that was neat. You know, cover. You yeah. know. Um, but aside from that, yeah, uh, <laughs> dear listener, uh, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a much better episode. Uh, to one of the standout. Yeah, I ones. don't have any more thoughts on uh, it. Like I thought, let's... like the end was a little good, like stylized in a good way. But uh, this is a very ma episode. I think. You know, yeah. listen, I'm a, I'm a huge Bebop fan, but the the joy of this podcast is that we get to be honest, and uh, not every episode is a banger. But thankfully. Thankfully, Mushroom Samba episode 17 is fucking awesome. I love this episode. It's not my favorite of the batch, but it's my second favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I will get to my favorite. Like like you, it's not my favorite of the batch, but it's a standout one. And when I think of Bebop, this is one of the episodes that comes to mind. Because this episode is half exploitation riff and uh, half the Bebop crew trips balls. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was just like, yeah, like basically uh, every character who's not Ed on the Bebop is, yeah, tripping balls. <laughs> like just serious balls. And then Ed, yeah, Ed's off like basically as like a witness to a exploitation movie. It's great. And, and in typical Ed fashion... Oh my god, I just got the characters, uh, one of the characters' names, and I was totally right. I totally picked out uh, what movie she was referencing, uh, and her name is straight up the reference, because the show has no subtlety. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll it's... Get, we'll get to it. Uh, so the Bebop crew, they're out of food, you know, down on their luck as always. Um, <laughs> they're all trying to figure out who ate the emergency rations. Um, it's it's both Ed and Faye, it looks like, because uh, Ed... Ed has some, but then Jet notices that they have an expiration date from like a year ago, and uh, Faye has to make a trip to the bathroom. Uh, Ed with the iron stomach. <laughs> and then Spike Spike manages to luck out and just didn't eat anything, because his, his, his food is adventure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, and he, Spike <laughs> does have that, like, like, I wish I was more like this in real life, where it's just like, you can just like go out and do a bunch of things, and then you're like, oh, I, sh- I need to eat. Like, I haven't eaten all day. I'm not that guy. I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, what am I having for lunch? Like, I'll literally go to bed being like, I can't wait for dinner tomorrow because <laughs> I'll have like an idea of what I want. And then I just try to wait it out uh, because so I'm not a glutton uh, because I'm trying to, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a weight loss journey right now. Uh, so I can't like 
binge after like 10. <laughs> what was it? So Ed Ed has her own um, outdoor adventure. Uh, she comes across a watermelon salesman. Um, and then a woman uh, who I wrote in my notes as a Pam Greer looking type. And it turns out her name is Coffee, which is uh, one of Pam Greer's famous uh, black exploitation rules. So so there we go. Yeah, which is also called Coffee. And uh, the character design, completely just the same. They took like Pam Greer's, you know, afro like the leather jacket like it's just she's coffee is just pam greer but not voiced by pam greer probably voiced by a white woman <laughs> let's be real bro man i've i've been watching stuff i was watching a, a show wantanabe produced it was a fun show called uh, machiko and hachin um, but it's set in like this kind of like south american inspired world and the lead character who is this very very uh very hispanic lady um is voiced by a white woman and you can just tell you know i'm sure i'm sure i'm I'm sure in 2007 2008 it was fine but when you listen to it now you're like oh oh this is minstrel level stuff yeah well i will give him credit that like in his recent show show we covered that i you know that i've i really enjoyed um carol and tuesday he does you know he does cast you know appropriately there are, you know, the characters who are not white are voiced by non-white performers. It's certainly gotten better. So fun, Funimation has has made a lot of improvements. Uh, but Since you know, ninety nine. This was in nineteen ninety nine. We have to remember it was nineteen ninety nine. People thought the world was going to end uh, in eleven months. This episode well, originally came out February twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, and people were like, "Why two K the computers? We're we're doomed. It's all over." um so so pam gear lady uh coffee she's she's trying to uh track down a man named domino walker um domino is uh basically this uh mushroom dealer <laughs> and then meanwhile there's a man named shaft a yeah which named is obviously shaft. just a very uh very subtle reference to uh the richard roundtree movie Oh, no. Was it subtle? Sorry, I, I meant uh, absolutely not subtle at all. <laughs> uh, he's he's a, He's got multiple references because this is, uh, I teased this way back in our very first episode uh, that there'd be a Django reference uh, that they did before Tarantino. And yeah, this guy's carrying a coffin like uh, in the classic uh, 1960s film Django. And, and then I love the punchline. This guy, uh, Shaft, he's part of the Shaft brothers. Um, he's mad at Domino because... Um, his brother ate one of Domino's mushrooms and laughed so hard that he died. <laughs> and he's good. He's carrying this coffin and he's going to put Domino in this coffin. And as he's speechifying, a car runs over the coffin and destroys it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode, man, this fucking episode. It's so goddamn silly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the like uh, just the melon man. Just like there's just this character, the melon man. He's just selling melons off the side of like the highway in the desert. And, like, obviously, Ed doesn't have any money. And, like, when he encounters or she encounters the melon man. And uh, don't worry. Uh, Coffee shows up, is, like, looks at Ed. Looks at Ed's clearly, like, you know, starving. And just is like, I'm going to buy a melon for myself. <laughs> she does. And she just fucking pieces it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So this is who we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Ed manages to, to get her revenge because she, she uh, stows away in the trunk. And then the the cops confront Coffee. Uh, they open the trunk and find uh, Edward in there, and they're just like, "Oh shit! What are you? What are you doing with a child? Are you like a 
a trafficker or something. So coffee, <laughs> they throw the book at coffee. This whole episode is just a series of unfortunate events uh, for everyone involved and Ed just bouncing her way throughout it. Yeah, well, because Ed's just, like, having a, a great time trying to, like, get, uh, just try to get some food. Yeah. Like, it, well, what I love is it's not just Ed. It's Ed and Ayn. And Ayn's uh, with her this entire time. And, like, I, I don't know. I love that the team up of those two. Like, it totally makes sense. I love that, like, Ed's just like, I'm doing my own thing. And then I'm just along for the ride. When uh, when they're confronting Domino, Domino, he, like, uh, drops some mushrooms. And Ayn is the first of the Bebop crew to get high. And Ayn is just, just <laughs> pops. His eyes just go completely, uh, what what's the term? Like, uh, dilated or whatever. And then he, he just I starts so. popping. I'm not, I'm not an expert on that. Yeah, I've done shrooms once. Um, I didn't have a great time, but at least it faded away. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I've never done shrooms actually. Um, I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm straight edge that way, but I was just talking uh, to my trainer because of my weight loss journey, and uh, yeah, and he was like being he's excited for like the fact that there's now going to be like medicinal like like magic mushroom shops popping up soon, most likely, in like at least where we are, which is British Columbia. He's just like, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now I know where you stand on that. Which just, by the way, totally makes sense. That's the next thing. The war on drugs. Side note, war on drugs. Uh, failure. Absolute failure. And everything that Ronald Reagan did was an absolute failure. And he's responsible for the hell we live in right now. You can love his mood. You can love Reagan and uh, when he says, like, do it for the Gipper. Like, that. you know what? That's the only Reagan incarnation I, I care about. And even then, fuck you, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Um... So yeah, Ed Ed has these mushrooms and then she just leaves them. She just leaves them on a table for the Bebop crew to eat. And this is just a weird sequence where the Bebop crew is just, they're all just like, oh, okay. And they're trying to be subtle or, or doing their own yeah. mannerisms. I love that. It's like they all have the same thought, but they're all just like, I got to like play it cool so that everyone <laughs> else knows I'm not that person. But it's like, no, you're bounty hunters that live on like a dilapidated ship and just travel the galaxy like finding targets that are given to you by a couple of people on a television show (laughs) that seems Uh, to be just like trans like transmitted across the galaxy (laughs) uh let's talk about the bebop crew's uh trips uh spike's trip uh he's he's doing the whole unending staircase thing um and a frog tells him that this is the stairway to heaven uh, but in reality, he's not even moving up the stairs. He's just like, he's, he's literally just like stepping, but not even going up. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love the cutback between like the hallucination and then what was really happening, which is by the way, kind of would suck to just be like, I'm on a never ending staircase to heaven. <laughs> like that seems like not a fun time, but he seems to enjoy it. You know, he's, he seems like it's fine. Yeah. Spike, Spike loves the stairmaster at the gym. And that frog offers maybe a hint of Spike's uh, future. So who knows? Maybe that's some foreshadowing. If he gets killed by a frog, I'm going to be very <laughs> upset. Um, Jet, Jet, of course, is talking to his uh, his favorite uh, people, his bonsai trees. Of course. Of course he is. Uh, you know, the, the bonsai trees are dropping some real knowledge. Unfortunately, we don't get to actually see what the trees say. I think... Uh, this episode missed out on a good opportunity. Yeah, I, but I mean, I kind of like the idea that like maybe they were like always just like you know saying almost nonsense, and he's just like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. That is the meaning of the universe. 
But I like how, like, when you cut back to what he's doing, he's just got, like, lipstick smeared on his face. <laughs> uh, Faye, she goes to the bathroom because she's already got the runs from uh, from the rations she ate. Um, and then she starts to imagine that she's swimming. That was a cool sequence, like, with her and, like, all the fish, the school of fish and everything. Uh, but then, yeah, obviously you cut back to her and she's just in, in this bathroom making, like, a swimming motion. You're like, oh... And Ed is just observing all three of them. Ed is just, you know, observing the crew. Yeah, um, Ed's a person of science. Ed's a person of curiosity. Ed's a child. So, like, let's. Ed's doing the right thing where it's just like, whoa, what are these adults doing? So, when Coffee is taken into the police, the officer that takes her, I notice that uh, on, he, on his uh, desk, his name is Sergeant Jelly Frank. I like that. I like that <laughs> That's name. That's a good name. Yeah, here's the thing. That's why, like, when you find out in the previous episode, like that one partner was like named Fad, I was like, oh man, like I don't know, wasn't the biggest fan of those names. But then you see the stuff like you know, like Jelly Frank, and I'm like, you could have come up with a better name than Fad for that character. The Shaft brother, he's eating this like shaved ice uh, treat, um, and we see the three old men again. So that was nice. That was nice to see them come back. I like that they're like a through line to this whole show. Like they sort of balance out. Like, hey, like these characters are not going to like die. They're never really in any danger, but they're just sort of like, uh, they're like the course, you know, like a Greek course in a, you know, mm-hmm. Greek play. It's just like they're there. They're going to like make some commentary. They're going to interact with a side character. But I, at least maybe it's things change in the last five episodes, but they don't appear to ever be main characters. Yeah, they're, they're they're the Greek chorus. They're just kind of always present. Yeah. So, anyways, meanwhile, with the whole uh, Ed and uh, Domino and Coffee and Shaft plot, um, they all converge on this train. There's a big confrontation, and you know, Ed, again, Ed is like you know, it's funny because Ed is teamed up with Ayn, who is a dog, and Ed herself has these animal qualities uh, to her. She, she again, she even like barks at sometimes at people. So her. Again, it's yeah, well, just... Ed walks around with no shoes at any point, and yeah, and you're like, you're walking in the desert. That's gonna be hot. Like I was just like, man, that's gonna hurt your feet. Like that can't be good. Like it just, I don't know. It just almost makes you go like, ah. But again, she she's got those animal qualities to her. Yeah, I will say this is probably uh, one of my favorite action sequences of the whole show, if not just this batch. Like the like of the train. Like so much was going on. You had like. Um, coffee she's got her you know the machine gun you've got ed like literally like using some sort of scooter to like scoot her way back like to like the back of coffee's car and then running up like past coffee's car using coffee speed to then jump on the train so then they could like go and confront uh domino yeah it's a fun action scene and again this, this is the episode where we get to see ed take down a bounty and it looks like Fuck, man. It looked like Ed was actually going to be the first one in this show to uh, to get the bounty. Uh, but it's not to be, given Ed's uh, nature. But I do, love how the, I do love how the train is stopped. So the train is stopped because there's a cow on the tracks. That allows, like, you know, Ed to, Ed to get the jump onto Domino. Domino, of course, you know, is like, hey, you can take me or you can take the shrooms, which is more valuable. Food is food. Food is food to Ed. Yeah, well, he does, I almost feel like Ed doesn't, he doesn't know that they're supposed to even be like of the magical variety. I feel like she's say going like, "Oh, I like mushrooms. I like food. All right, we're I've been hungry this whole time, right? Like this whole time, 
Ed has not eaten. So it's just like, oh, of course, Ed's going to be like, I want this, these mushrooms. But then obviously they take, you know, she so she lets Domino go. Um, oh, yeah. Also, I like the sequence where like Shaft like falls off the train and then like hits coffee. Coffee and Shaft like roll out of the car and then the car just explodes. Like it just immediately explodes like for no apparent reason. And then we get the the excellent button on this whole conclusion with Domino, where 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 Ein thanks the cow who says no problem. Yes, I was like, all right, that was fun. Like that's why I like what's why I like Ein. Like I was like uh, all that stuff. And then obviously at the very end of this episode, there's like a joke I also enjoyed where it's like they're serving all the like the mushrooms because we find out like they're not actually like hallucinogenic mushrooms or just shiitake mushrooms and domino was uh, you know lemon people um so so you know the crew's still happy because they're like getting a bunch of food although they lost the bounty but yeah so chet makes like he's got like shiitake mushroom stew shiitake like you know fried you know just like everything's like shiitake mushrooms like a shiitake barbecue thing uh and then it's just i love uh, shiitake and ice, <laughs> like shiitake mushrooms and ice, and it's just on a bowl, and just a bowl of ice with shiitake mushrooms in it. I'm I'm not a big mushroom guy, so to me this is hell. I'm just like, oh, I love mushrooms. I'm like they're <laughs> so good. I don't like canned mushrooms. I think a lot of people like growing up, like in our like generation, uh, were subjugated to like eating a lot of canned mushrooms, but like fresh mushrooms. Like super in my mind, super good. You also have to like really cook them. Like the one thing that's great about mushrooms is that you can like you can't overcook them. So it's like you can really and you can play around with the sauces. But you got to play around with like how you cook them and like what you cook them with. A lot of people just go like cut them up raw and put them in a salad. And it's like that's not necessarily the best way to eat it. But I digress. I just don't like the texture of them and all that. Um, yeah. Oh, you're but, a texture guy. I think you're a texture I'm guy. a texture guy. Um, Fair enough. I I don't like raisins. That's my thing. I'm not a raisin guy either. I'm picky, I guess. Um, Ein, Ein eats a mushroom, though, and Ein has a hiccup. So I guess they might have been hallucinogenic, um, or at least some of them were. I assume some of them were. Like, not all. The, like, the, luckily, the ones, like, the majority of them weren't. Uh, or, like, the one that the cop tested when they were, like... When Spike's still tripping, he's got the bag. And... No, a good episode. Um, I love this one. It would be my number one, except for except for uh, the following one. At least it was for me. I don't know about you. This one, was this your favorite or not? Uh, no, I'm talking uh, episode 18, the one after this. Um, Speak Like a Child. Speak Like a Child, yeah. This is my favorite. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've watched the show a bunch, as I've said. But I remember mostly moments. There are moments that stick out. And for me... Um, holy shit, the ending to this episode, man. Uh, speak like a child, just, it fucking hits like a truck. We, we talk about that violent Evergarden episode. Yeah, this one also was just like, this is a, like, that ending is like an all-time ending on this podcast. Like, I just was like, I took a, a moment afterwards. Like, I feel like we should, can just like almost jump to it. Yeah, um, well, let, let's just get to the, the premise is fun, the, the initial bit. So, you know, yeah. they... Faye, she's gambling on the horses and loses, uh, as always. Uh, Jed, he receive a, receives a package for Faye, and he paid for it. And then he's like, hey, Faye, are you going to pay for the duty on this or what? And, you know, she fucks off and, and bolts. Because uh, she's kind of worried that it, pe- people uh, want to get her or something. Yeah, because like, part of her whole like arc on this show is that she's sort of on the run. 
that's one of the reasons she's teaming up with Spike is she realizes like Spike and Jet can kind of protect her. Uh, and also because they're constantly on the move. Like if they, if she needs to abandon them to be on some random planet, like it's easy for her to do that. So this package, it's a cassette and Spike and Jet, it, this is the year like 2077. They don't know what to make of a cassette. Which makes sense. I mean, there are Zoomers right now who don't know what a cassette is. Like we're, yeah, like this was like, I mean, I don't really know what a Betamax is. Cause that's like one of the things of this episode is that they're like, yeah, this isn't a cassette. This is a Betamax disc. You need let, you know, you need to do, you need to get one of those machines and not that. And I like this whole, like the idea of playing around with it. It kind of would be like, like the equivalent of trying to like, I don't know, play around with a telegraph machine right now, <laughs> like in 2020. Like, this is kind of cool. I don't know how to use it, but I know that Morse code was very popular at one point. Uh, Spike is just abusing this cassette, but thankfully this is a cartoon, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. If if this was in real life, the uh, that cassette would be destroyed almost immediately. But anyways, uh, so so we get another reference to the Lunar Gate incident of 2022, because due to that incident, uh, all... All data prior to 2022 was destroyed. So again, pre anything pre 2022 is like an artifact. So they go to this uh, dealer who's uh, this nostalgia guy. I'm trying to get his name. Oh, and he's only referred to as the man. He's uh, on the wiki. He's referred to as Video Maniac. I would say Video Maniac makes more sense for him. Um, yeah, he doesn't even his video store doesn't even have a name. That's a bummer. I was expecting a good uh, blink and you miss it reference. Um, anyways, though, this guy he's super into 20th century culture. Um, when we see him, he's watching a shitty soap opera. Uh, he talks <laughs> about how uh, TV back then was so good, um, which is ironic because it's like now we're living in the like TV heyday, like the <laughs> the rise of prestige television, or like maybe not the rise anymore, but it's like prestige television's here. Now, now we're in peak TV where there's just too much, and uh, we'll we'll see how long this prestige TV uh, version of Bebop lasts. Um, but yeah, I like the video maniac. He's a fun character, um, and unfortunately, Spike is basically his arch nemesis because Spike is just kicking everything. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's smoking. He's smoking in an area where there's you know film, for God's sakes, and he's like putting his cigarette butts out on um, electronics. Yeah, he's essentially just going like. He does not care. He also just has no clue. I like that they're playing into this of just like in terms of preservation. Because like, I guess now like you don't see a lot of people who are like collecting VHSs in particular. Although I think that's not like not a bad uh, hobby to get into. I know what is it that comedian SNL guy, Kyle Mooney has like one of the largest VHS collections around. He's like obsessed with that stuff. Yeah, and he's got like all the like the especially with all the weird like Christian like you know like dance videos of the eighties that they put out. <laughs> There's so many gems that way, but I digress. I totally understand how like you could become nostalgic for uh, this stuff. Like I feel like you know again we're weren't we weren't born in the eighties, and yet I feel like a lot of people around our age are you know kind of go like oh man the eighties would have been so cool. Just like Zoomers now are talking about the nineties. Which is, even though I was alive in that decade for part of it, I don't, re- I don't really have strong memories of being in it. We're talking the old uh, guy. He gives this whole speech on uh, VHS and uh, Betamax. Um, Spike, Spike and Jet don't give a shit. Uh, 
Uh, and then he's just like, oh man, I was really on a roll. Uh, I also liked uh, the fact the, uh, the players are called Sani, S-A-N-Y. Sani, uh, non-copyright infringing Sani. Also, I don't know if you um, noticed this, but that show, The Video Maniac, is watching or like they also in the wiki call him tape expert which is kind of funny uh the drama that they're watching or he's watching was produced by uh jason Priestley and shannon uh doherty that's from, what it said uh, beverly hills 90210 i didn't notice that that's fucking funny i mean jason Priestley, great guy as you all know about uh my disdain for harvey weinstein jason Priestley infamously punched harvey weinstein and he blames that for why his hollywood career stopped for a bit but don't worry he's doing great in canadian films so i I didn't know that but uh good for him for for doing that yeah he was one of the good guys where you're like in the 90s luke perry and jason Priestley turned into good guys who would have (laughs) guessed Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Luke Perry. Um, so, no. so, so um, yeah, sad one. Yeah, I mean, um, Archie was devastated. Cause all, you know, because you know Archie on Riverdale, he has two loves, football and his dad. <laughs> uh, so this cassette, um, did you pick up that it was a video of young Faye when we see a glimpse of it, Malcolm? Not initially. It wasn't okay. like, I didn't like realize it right at the start, but obviously like by the end, it was super obvious. And it was super sad. Like it's kind of what I liked about it, especially is like with the way she was doing it. Like it felt like a vlog. Like obviously this was made in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, with so it's like way before YouTube. YouTube vlogs. Like vlogs were just starting to show up. Like I think some people had blogs where they would like post videos of themselves, not to the extent that it is today. But it felt very much like that. And there's like this like sadness to it as well. Like the whole thing, you're just like, oh man, like. You know, face kind of comes off in the videos as like a bit of a lonely child, but also like a very optimistic and sweet child with like a lot of life and like a lot of like joy and like to see like what Faye has become is really sad that way. And also the fact that like her younger self is just like, I still love you. I'm still rooting for you. Like, and yet the older Faye almost feels like she's forgotten that part of herself. Oh, oh man! Oh, it's, it's just so sad. We we jumped right to the ending, but yeah, let's get into that. Um, I, and then, I mean, the other stuff is kind of almost like a non sequitur. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Spike and uh, Jet's adventure to get to get a beta player, and then it turns out it's not even the right one. Yeah, well, there's like there's a fun joke about you know like oh you have to be able to see the tape of a beta player, whereas VHS is you just stick it in and then like it starts playing, or you have to reverse it. I also like the facility they go into. They go into this like underground facility and they it's like this crazy adventure. But like my, my whole question was how would they escape from this facility? It doesn't look like there's a way out. And uh, once they get the players, they just cut to the next scene and they're on the ship. So my question was not answered. No. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk Faye. So yeah, I mean, that's the fucking thing. Faye is such a tragic character. Like she is this, you know, con artist, but again, knowing her backstory and where she's come from, Fuck, to just see how optimistic she was as a young child and to see Faye watching herself, a self that she doesn't even recognize because she has no memory of her past. Like It's the most devastating ending since the one with um, on that one planet. The grand episode, yes. 
Um, so, so young Faye, or again, we don't even know what Faye's real name is for one thing, but young Faye, uh, tells her at the very end, in your time, I'm not here, but I am here today and I'll be cheering for you, my only self. Also, I guess the thing with Faye is that Faye was, you know, obviously frozen. Sorry, I just remembered that. I was just like, I just had this, that moment where it's like, yeah, man, that's like kind of some like uh psychic shit right there when you're like oh yeah she was kind of doing vlogs that would have been like the mid 2000s that's when vlogs start showing up like youtube stuff like so for her to do that makes total sense it's kind of like oh it's kind of spooky that way ah that's good that's just good storytelling that's like you know like how some sci-fi shows you like cringe at like what's about to happen (laughs) like in terms of just like oh that couldn't have been more wrong in terms of what you thought the future would be this a little more accurate than not. Bebop nailed it. Bebop nailed it. But yeah, yeah the, it, it understands the culture. <laughs> this episode, it is one of my favorites in the series, specifically for just that ending, really. It's something I think about. I've been excited to get to this episode for a long time. And yeah, like this is, when, again, when I think of Bebop episodes, this is this is definitely in my top five, maybe even my number one. I think maybe just me being critical right now, I would dock a couple points for just how much time it spends just getting to that moment. That would be my argument. My 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 critic, uh, no fun hat. I mean, this this ending is an eleven out of ten. Like this is just a yeah. It's a, again, it shows the sadness of Faye and like what and what she's lost and like her and her struggle with just like kind of existing in a world in a time that she's not really supposed to be a part of. And I mean, she's lost herself for God's sake. She doesn't even recognize her old self at all. Like she should be like in her eighties at this point. Yeah, uh, I guess moving on. Moving on to Wild Horses. This episode bored me until the last moments, <laughs> until really like the last five minutes, where it um it has a moment um where I was just like, oh, they fucking went there. What about you, Malcolm? Yeah, this was uh, not my favorite. I was just like, ah, like I just it's- wasn't. I don't know. I just wasn't like into it. I kind of didn't understand it. Like, I was like, when did Spike get to this plan? Like, why is he on Earth again? And, like, like who are the, all these people? Like, I just didn't care about anyone in the episode. I've seen I've seen other shows do this. So so the kind of key players are Spike, this mechanic named Duhan, and his uh, um, assistant Miles. And then there's also a bounty, these, like, uh, three space pirates. The the space pirates they're 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 nothing too um, unique from what we've seen on the show. I think the big gimmick is that they can hack into other people's ships, um, which Faye Faye always Faye always gets to be the jobber. I was hoping the show would uh, give us a twist where Faye took down the bounties this time, but nope, doesn't do that. Uh, Spike gets to be the hero as always. The only cool thing that about the those like space pirates or hackers or whatever is. Um... Apparently they are named, uh, the three of them are named after Babe Ruth, like Babe's, uh, Ruth's full name, which is uh, actually George Herman Ruth. Babe is yeah, obviously a nickname, so it's just like there's a George, there's a Herman, and there's a Ruth. Yeah, and Miles, the mechanic assistant, he, he's into baseball, so I guess this was just uh, what um, Shinichiro Watanabe's excuse to, to give us a baseball references. Yeah, it was like, well, I mean, they could have just done a baseball episode. I think that would have been too <laughs> yeah we could have I, I would have been down for a baseball episode i got that whatever this was which was i don't know again kind of boring it's sort of like the jet stories like i i don't know it feels 
like there wasn't like a good subplot like for the rest of the crew and so i feel like when they the rest of the crew is sort of abandoned you're just like ah, i don't know it's it just it just kind of, it kind of gets weak like the like the only thing i joke i can even think of was just like you know there's a great improv group called wild horses down in la so and that and they're great and this episode is not so yeah um so the whole like kind of mystery of it is that uh duhan is working on this gigantic object and the big reveal did make me laugh because of how ridiculous it is um the gigantic ship he's working on is the space shuttle columbia which uh a real a real space shuttle um that blew up uh disintegrated uh and killed uh everyone aboard (laughs) Dark, dark reference. Spike, after he takes down the bounty, he also goes into freefall, which is um, how the Columbia got destroyed. So the references are very, very on the nose. And I was just like, oh shit, they're doing that. Um, but in this case, um, the Columbia manages to save uh, Spike's swordfish. Uh, we also learn in this episode that uh, Duhan, the, the head mechanic, was the guy who gave the swordfish to Spike. But... I don't know. Did did you get a giggle or or at least a reaction to the Columbia reveal, Malcolm? A little bit. I was just like, really? <laughs> like, like this is this is it? I didn't uh, I didn't hate it. It was just like it was one of those like, oh, that's kind of fun. Uh, but I don't know because I was so uninvested in this episode. Yeah, I think this might be the weakest episode, honestly. I think yeah. of the also, ones isn't it weird that like in terms of the Columbia, that like the Columbia was just. I think the Columbia was destroyed. 2003 right they both they both blew up the the challenger was more famous because infamously had that teacher aboard and it like didn't make it off uh like land like space shuttle columbia launched in 1981 i misread that oh and then it was oh so this what isn't a reference to the disaster instead this may have foretold it yeah Uh, that's exactly what it is (laughs) it's like that uh the lone gunman episode where they like in like infamously months before had an episode where the in the lone gunman they have to stop a plane that's about to like hit the world trade center well even even cowboy bebop had an episode that opened with with uh terrorists on a plane um so cowboy bebop predicted two terrible events it's not that the Columbia in this version has uh, been destroyed and being repaired. This version, the Columbia, uh, still existed, and uh, Duhon somehow got a hold of it. It's just one of those things where, like, it aged poorly. Like, it was just like, oh shit! Like, I'm, you know, you're less than five years from that this premiere, and you're like, oh no, it, it le- like failed to land. <laughs> like, oh no, I just, I feel like that was the last like major uh, like space the shuttle incident if i'm not mistaken like i don't feel like in the since like that time i don't really feel like i've seen anything where it's like yeah and then this you know the spaceship blew up over the fucking gulf of mexico or whatever wherever they are uh, the only the only thing i want to say last one there, there's one mild chuckle i had at the very end of the episode which is they're like it's like miles uh and you can hear him briefly say he, uh, when like he's freaking out, he's just like, "I haven't even slept with a woman." <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't. There's like a on one that. line non sequitur of when he's panicking. <laughs> this is also an episode where they hand wave, like like they hand waved um, how Spike and Jet escaped that facility in the previous one. This one also just hand waves how uh, the Columbia gets to Earth because it looks like they're about to crash, and then it just cuts to um, 
like a whiteboard of just a bunch of pictures and it's like oh they were okay so yeah in the end uh it doesn't <laughs> even matter yeah this episode yeah i think this might be the weakest one because uh, you know we've we've bashed jet episodes but at least those have a connection to a character we like so so they at least have some intrinsic value yeah it just feel it felt like it's like why spike here why do we need to care about like you know why do we have to care about duhan and i don't know just there was nothing really to latch on to at least it's yes but you know with jet there is like thematic ties to everything and like He's got like a mission and it's sort of, you know, you know, to uncover this mysterious figure. But Let's move on to a really good episode. Um, this actually might be the most consistently good episode. I think it doesn't reach the highs of uh, speak like a child, but it's a consistently fun one, I would say. Right, Malcolm? This one was great. I was into it. The, like the moment that like the killer is revealed, uh, like where you see him. Tong Fu, I think is how you pronounce it. Tong Fu, and he also goes by Piero Lefo. That's the name of the episode as well. So yeah, this character is appearing in the live action show. They, uh, we were recording this before, but there uh, yeah, still has been released from it. He is in the show. He's in the show. So there, the show's you know going out of order. Obviously, um, by the time this episode airs, you'll know that. But yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see how this episode gets adapted. But clearly, they wanted to get to him uh, soon because he's a, he's an awesome fucking character. He's a really good antagonist. Like you know, we've had vicious as like I think this is our strongest non-vicious, maybe even stronger than vicious in terms. Of I just think he's how- stronger than vicious. I don't really care vicious. I think vicious is sort of this like they try to make vicious into something more, but like as a viewer and like, you know, probably a more casual viewer. I'm just like, this isn't, I don't know. This isn't for me. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. Cause they kind of abandoned vicious at a certain point. Like he's just sort of like off in the ether or the ether rather he's off on the ether kind of just, you know, fucking off. So for this one, I'm just like, okay, they're like, you get the whole story with uh, this character, like this villain. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Uh, Tong Tong Pu, uh, Pierre Lefo, Mad Piero, uh, goes by many names. He's he's this person who is like a large 18th century British British dandy man, whatever you want to call it. I don't yeah, know. there's like he's like a mix of like a dandy man and like a pilgrim, like one of those. Uh, yes. Like, oh yeah, he's got the pilgrim like um. He's got like the pilgrim hat and like the like the I don't know what you would call it, but like they're that puffy like collar. The frilly call, uh, collar, but you know, he, but he's, you know, obviously acts more like a dandy, ironically enough. Uh, like, not like I, not like a dandy, like space dandy, but more of a, a British dandy and not like a guy, Richie British dandy, like an old school British. Oh, dandy. it's a very, very old school dandy. Um, so he goes up to these like th- syndicate looking thugs and he greets them and says, Hello, gentlemen, I've journeyed here in order to take your lives. And he fucks them up. And we haven't seen blood in the last couple episodes. Uh, and we see a ton of it in this. Oh, yeah. He just like, he's got this really cool cane gun and he just like basically firing it at these people and they're just like exploding and dying. Loved it. This episode is fucking gory. Uh, it also, you know. He's a slasher villain. Like, he's basically like Jason Voorhees with a gun in my mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, I definitely feel that. And. Spike, he just happens to be at the wrong place, wrong time. He's he's playing pool at a bar, and then he happens to witness um, 
Lafoe gunned down these dudes. Um, and Lafoe, um, of course, tries to fuck Spike up. Um, Spike shoots at him, and Lafoe has this like force field, and he can also fly. And he's also got an arsenal of weaponry uh, in his jacket, and he's fat, so his jacket's really big, so he has a lot of weapons. Exactly. Like it's just he's got like yeah, because I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be like this giant guy, but like turns out it's yeah, it's all the other weapons that he's holding on to. Um, he's he's a big dude, and being big and able, he, he, there's some video game character he reminds me of, just like a, those kind of fat characters who also have flying abilities. I don't know. He's like a balloon man, uh, but a scary balloon man, not one you I want. I know to what mess. you're talking about. I can't name the character right now, but there is someone. Uh, so maybe someone wants to hit us up on the socials and uh, you can let us know. Yeah. So they have this confrontation. Lafoe has Spike dead to rights, but a stray cat scares him. Um, we will get an answer as to why cats scare Lafoe. Uh, Spike, he manages to survive the encounter. He like kicks, he kicks like a red barrel, you know, very video game logic. He tosses, he kicks a barrel towards Lafoe and, uh, you know, sets it off. And then Spike, typical Spike, he gets bandaged up. Yeah, well, he like basically gets you know, there's blows up, and then he's like sent into the wall. He's, yeah, and, and you then know. that you know, and then obviously, uh, Tung Fu is basically satisfied for the time being, and is like, well, looks like uh, looks like I killed him because yeah, he loves <laughs> murder. Looks like my work is done here. Um, so yeah, Spike he survives the encounter because plot armor, um, and he's bandaged up a lot like he was at the end of episode five. And Faye remembers episode five because she references it. I like that as well. I like that this wasn't just like, you know, this episodic thing of just like, oh, we don't reference what happened before. Yeah, no, there's continuity. And it's not just like continuity between the vicious uh, main plot episodes. It's it's yeah. So meanwhile, Jet is trying to get the whole um, lowdown on it. Jet has like um, Ed go on, you know, a bit of a data chase. And then meanwhile, Spike, he confronts LeFou in this freaky ass amusement park because Spike... But I gotta say, like, yeah, we find out about, uh, you know, Tung Fu and just the fact that he's been targeting these, like, high-level, the directors of, what is it? Oh, yeah, the, like, Intersolar System Police, the ISSP, uh, and that they're trying to keep it hidden. Although, I'm just like, whole city blocks are being destroyed. <laughs> I don't know how hidden this is. this could truly be. But I do kind of appreciate that. But I do also kind of like that Spike's arrogance is just, like, He's like, maybe this won't be the one I survive. And he's just like, ah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> like, this is, I'll, I'll survive this. Because I guess Spike, turns out Spike is the only one who's ever survived an encounter with Mad Perot. Yeah. And this encounter, it's in this, you know, it's in not Disneyland. It's called uh, Spaceland. <laughs> uh, you know. I gotta say, I, I am a sucker for like a set piece in a, like an amusement park. That's like, abandoned like i loved like in uh the birds of prey movie where like kind of end off in like again a dilapidated amusement park i'm like i'm a fan like there was like like here even like when spike and uh mad pro are like fighting just like the roller coasters and there's like a bit of like a friday yeah five nights at freddy's like vibe with some of like the you know animatronic animals yeah, you got a little bit of like Willy's Wonderland sprinkled into that. Like, I don't know. I'm just a fan of it all. So they have this confrontation. It's pretty fun. Um, at one point, Spike shoots not Goofy 
totally non copyright infringing goofy. No, it's a it's a parody. It's a parody law, right? Nathan Fielder established that you can make dumb Starbucks and it works because it was an art gallery and it was parody law. Uh, so when Ed's in uh, cyberspace, Ed is able to like get into like Section 13's files, and we get this extended flashback to uh, to Tongpu. And yeah, he was basically experimented on by Section 13 in this like white room. Uh, it's very Akira. It's very, very much reminiscent of Akira for me. Uh, and very freaky. This is like probably one of the most horrifying sequences we've seen on the show, I think. Yeah, this is like straight out of a horror movie. Like just like I felt so bad for him. Like, you know, you're sort of, you know, he's been experimented on and like, you know, he's regressing. And it turns out like one of the things is like for Mad Pro, it's that he's regressing in terms of like his intellectual ability. So although he's like a very skilled killer, he's not a very skilled like person. Like he, you know, like he's a child essentially. Like that's like the twist that we find out as Spike and him are fighting is that like this is a kid. Cause like one of the things that happens is Spike is fighting him, but at the same time, like Jet and Faye and Edward are doing research to try to like figure out who this person is. Because like everyone's being very cagey, like the ISSP is very cagey about like his identity. They, they clearly know who he is, but they're not like don't want to reveal too much. Yeah. So the the whole reason why uh, my Tong Pu is afraid of cats is because when he was being experimented on, this cat, which had like um, the its eyes didn't quite match up. It's a, oh, it's a data cat according to the wiki. A data cat. Cool. So we've had data dogs and data cats. Uh, that's why one of its eyes is weird. No, that makes sense. I... Yeah, so that's why that's why uh, Tong Pu has this like fear of cats. And during the confrontation, he there's like a toy cat that he accidentally shoots, and that causes him to have a freak out, which enables Spike to kind of get the jump on him. They have another standoff, and then Tong Pu notices uh, Spike's artificial eye, which reminds him of the data cat as well, and that gives Spike the chance to uh, throw a knife at him because I guess the knives. Uh, they break the force field or they're not affected by the force field or something. Yeah. I think they break. I think they are not affected. I think the whole thing is designed to stop bullets, but like knives don't do that uh, in the same way. Cause yeah, there's like a force field on the suit that uh, Tung Poo is wearing. I will say also, sorry to go back to the flashback is like, there's like a brutal sequence of like when Tung Poo escapes, like it's just like he's being led down like a hallway and then he just stops and then it just cuts to like, different like footage of just like people's like body and like blood on the walls like it's just like this brutal escape that he has very michael myers-esque that way and then obviously for you know going back it's like you know the he gets hit by the leg you know in the leg spikes shot in the shoulder but it turns out that like you know tong Poo, because of his child you know kind of childlike qualities outside of being a killer he's just screaming for mommy it's like, mommy, mommy, it hurts, it hurts. And that's when like my heart almost breaks. I was just like, ah. Oh. Well, it's like, like he, a kid, it's like a kid scraping their knee. It's like to them, that's the worst pain ever. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, being stabbed wouldn't <laughs> would suck, but but the way he reacts to it compared to like Spike, especially, it's just like, yeah, it's a very infantile, like childlike. Uh no. I've never been stabbed, but I feel like I'm an adult, so I wouldn't cry immediately. I mean, I fucked up. I fucked up my ankle like recently, so I know how like p- pain hurts a lot. I didn't cry. I was just more like fucking pissed and angry and upset. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been injured in a long time. Knock on wood. 
Um, and I've, I hope to never be stabbed because stabbing is not probably no. not a good pain. Yeah, stabbing seems <laughs> stabbing seems harsh. <laughs> stabbing seems harsh. Um, but yeah, it's because of his like childlikeness of the fact that this injury yeah makes him cry for mommy. And then we have this like meanwhile these animatronics are uh, doing their kind of march. And uh, some of the animatronics are very, very large. And uh, one of them just crushes Tong Pu and he dies. So, no. Yeah, he's just like trampled on. Because I wasn't sure if, like, because there's like all these variety of robots. Are they like people in costumes? Like, I assume they're robots. Like, I they're robots. Yeah. No, they're not yeah, human. I, I just, yeah, there was like that one moment that I had, but I, you know, picked up on the fact. I also loved like, like the roller coaster and like, there's like this a bit of a fight sequence on a roller coaster where like Tung Pu like shoots out a track and you know Spike falls into the water and stuff that was you know pretty well like executed and I was like again I'm a sucker for a third act in an amusement park so yeah and the way it's lit and everything yeah it's it's freaky as hell and then I I love how Jet uh, right after Tung Pu is dead Jet calls up Spike. Um, it's like Jet could have could have come at an earlier time, buddy, with this information. Yeah, and he's like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> and then just the episode ends. Uh yeah. Final thoughts on this episode. This, uh, Loved this it. Is a, yeah, this is a banger. I'm, I'm, you know, I think we got. I think Malcolm and I were, were, you know, when we when we talk, um, our best episodes. Maybe, maybe we'll do it uh, for Bebop Week Five, but we still have the movie to cover. Maybe we'll wait uh, till the very last week to get our thoughts. But yeah. In coming up with my top five, I think it's going to be harder than I expected. Yeah, there's a lot of really standout episodes, and I feel like this is one of them. This is the best one in the batch, for sure. And the, yeah, this is probably probably going to end up in my top five, for, if not top three. But I don't know. I haven't seen the last five episodes. so We got six knows? more, actually, because uh, that's the thing. Uh, it's oh. a 26-episode show. But, one of a, but the finale is a two-parter, so I guess it's basically one episode. Uh, when you think about it um but yeah let's talk let's get to our favorite segment uh everyone uh sasha cue the music allow me to elucidate ya the name is robert eo speedwagon Yes, it's time. Who is the speed wagon of this batch? So for those just joining in, I don't know why you would join in on week four. <laughs> it's not People the final just week. Wanna, they love this episode. Like, you you know, you probably are wondering, like, Malcolm, what's your favorite Final Destination movie? And it's like, obviously, number three because of the roller coaster, right? So I'll go with my speed wagon. It's, it was a tough battle. The tough battle. Um, because I love Young Faye. Young Faye was great. Uh, I love Video Maniac. I like Pierre Lafoe, but I gotta go with the character who makes the most with a little, and that is uh, the cow, because the cow saves the day. Oh yeah, though that was that was a fun moment. Like yeah, I like that's an interesting one because the cow does yeah the cow doesn't do anything. The cow luckily isn't being sent to Bovine University, so I guess the the cow stops the fighting and and for Domino's sake. For Domino Walker, he Domino Walker doesn't get away if the cow doesn't isn't there. 
Exactly. And we don't know if um, maybe Ayn and the, the cow had an adventure that we just didn't see where Ayn befriended the cow and then they came to an agreement and like, okay, you're going to, you're going to sit here and this is how it's going to go. Cause you know, Ayn's a data dog. So Ayn, Ayn would be able to predict all this stuff. I do like the implication that Ayn can just talk to any animal he wants to and that animals have a shared language. I think animals do have a shared language to an extent, I feel. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone could correct in me. In the I show feel, or in just in the No, in I mean, in reality. Room. I swear animals, like, I think there's a shared language. It probably depends on, I mean, it's not like a cat could communicate with a fish, but I feel like, you know, cats. Well, and- maybe. I guess, like, I guess it's like, you know, yeah. Can a, can, that's a good, that would be a great example or uh, experiment. Can a cat tame a great white shark? We're going to find out on today's, you know, episode of Science Finders. <laughs> Uh, Only on plant uh, or on animal plant. <laughs> throughout history, oh yeah, cats and dogs are able to communicate to each other through different body movements, growls, and facial expressions. So I guess it's like just through evolutionary biology or the fact that they've been together for you know ten thousand plus years, kind of around. You know, it's kind of inbred, so they have intrinsic. So yeah, that's good to know that my dog and cat understand each other. And yet when I want to like say hi to a deer and I step on a branch, that deer fucking bolts. It's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, if you stepped on a branch, my cat would fucking run away because he, he's a little wussy. He's a little yeah. wussy puss. Um, he's a wussy puss. <laughs> exactly. I have cats, man. I've, I've come up with all the, ex- right. all the uh, phrasings. Anyways, uh, Malcolm, who's your speed wagon? Uh, yeah, I think like, there's some good ones. Uh, I think. Piero uh, Lafoe is a is one that stands out, but I feel like he might be too big of a character. I think I think as long as they've only appeared in one episode, you know. There's also like you know, as you said, you know, you have the I love you know Shaft and Coffee are two standouts. I think for me, like just because like of the stuff that like we watched, and I'm gonna take away from it. Young Faye was really heartbreaking, and I gotta get. Yeah. I know it's like. You know, we're skirting a line here, but like it's pretty clear that young Faye and current day Faye are two radically different people. And, you know, like I said, there's like the sadness to young Faye that I really connect with. I think that's perfect. And I mean, had I picked young Faye and I think she would have been my pick had I just not um, spent a bit of time on the cow. I mean, the cow's the jokey pick. Um, but yeah, they're, that's that's a perfectly good explanation for Again, they are distinct characters, and that's that's the thing. It's what what did Faye lose? I mean, we don't even know what Faye's real name is. So, I'm surprised Faye doesn't mention it in the in the video. But I guess it's you know would be too convenient. I have a feeling that the TV show, if it goes the super hacky route, and because they also will need a lot of time to fill, will probably answer that question. They might, or they might not. I mean, it depends on like you know if if they're gonna. If Netflix treats them like all the other shows and gives them like three seasons. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, final thoughts on this batch. Uh, you know what? This was a mixed bag. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think there's two pretty good episodes here. Speak like a child and Pierre, uh, Pierre Lefaux. Those are two great episodes. Uh, you know, wild horses and, uh, was it black dog? serenade are pretty weak i mean also sorry i should also mention uh mushroom samba is great yeah i for i should say so i guess it's three pretty solid episodes and then two dot i mean i i put them beyond pretty solid i i mean these three are incredibly memorable for me so yeah i put it above and then okay 
Yeah, I guess I'm, maybe I'm not using the right language, I feel like. I just want to say that I, I'm how disappointed I am of Black Dog, Serenade, and Wild Horses. They are, they're kind of slogs to get through. But I would take three out of five for, like, really standout episodes. Like, who, like, next week when we're talking about, like, top five episodes of the whole show, like, they're all contenders to be on that list. And that's pretty impressive for a batch. That's the thing. I think I think three really strong ones, one mediocre one, and one uh, one. Um, I I put Black Dog Serenade at, among the best shit episodes, although that's saying very little. But it still gets to say it's the best of those. Uh, yeah, so that's best where I of the worst. <laughs> uh, poor Jet. Poor Jet. Um, Hopefully I, they I just, can do him right in the live action show. Yeah, I, I just watched the clip. I think Mustafa Shakir. I know we just uh, said some, you know, more um, mass stuff about John Cho, but I think Shakir Shakir also sounds exactly like Jeb, which which yeah, does help. The, the the other two were playing, uh, yeah, Shakir uh, like Shakir and um, it was I forget the actress who's playing Faye, but uh, I think those two seem to like hit it right off. Like they're gonna be great. That that was final thoughts. Um, I guess plugs. Um, Guess what? It's the same old, same old, because uh, we didn't have a guest. So uh, you can follow me at OnlyRealJackM on Twitter and Jack is Jack on Instagram. Our handles are in the this text below anyway, so I'm sure you've read them at this point. And uh, you can follow me at Malcolm R.J. McLeod. I'm on Instagram. Not really on Twitter, but uh, I, I technically own that username on Twitter, too. So, you know, give, a, give me a follow. Uh, yeah, I'm not, you know. I'm not the best at social media, but you know, so I post a funny story. I might post a pic every once in a while. It's worth it. And uh, anyways, uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please uh, consider leaving us a review uh, at this at is this anime. We're on all the different platforms, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, you know, we're Spotify. So if you get the chance, you really enjoyed this, you know, word of mouth is the best way to help a small podcast like us out and leave a review, tell your friends, you know, this is the show for, uh, you know, noobs and uh, uh, weebs. So, yeah, this has been really fun. And uh, what are we doing next week? Uh, we're doing Star Wars Visions. Um, so, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, any last thoughts, Jack? No, I mean, you, you probably want to do a button joke. So uh, I'll let you have that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And make sure if you you know like this, yeah, follow us on at is this anime pod, both on Instagram and Twitter. And remember, Jack still can't ride a bicycle. Bye. <laughs> Later, power bottoms. Later, power bottoms.